Judges chapter 16. And uh, what I'm going to preach on tonight goes along with just about every testimony that was given tonight. I stand amazed how God, I hope that you heard the testimonies. I hope you didn't just let them pass over because I believe God won't speak. I, this afternoon, I believe God was going to speak to somebody personally tonight. And uh, I know that he'll talk to all of us. But if you're here and this message is for you, I hope you do something with it tonight. Judges chapter 16 and verse number 20. The Bible says, And she said, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times before and shake myself. And he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. But the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with fetters of brass, and he did grind in the prison house. Father, bless the reading of thy word now. I pray that you will help us for these next few moments. May you get glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. I want to preach tonight on this subject on the, on the perils, the peril of worldliness. The peril of worldliness. You know, the Bible gives us many warnings about this world, doesn't it? In 1 John chapter 2, in verse number 15, the Bible said, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And then the Lord tells us something we ought to remember about this world. He said, The world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. And so we're warned about worldliness. I think about Romans chapter number 12 and, and verse number 1. Paul said, I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, except unto God which is your reasonable service. And then he said this, he said, and be not conformed to this world but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do you keep from being conformed to this world? Staying in the word of God by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 19. He said, What know you not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you which you have uh, which you have of God and you're not your own. He said, Therefore uh, for you're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit which are God. So the Bible is very clear that we belong to God and we do not belong to this world. Amen. 2 Corinthians 7 and verse number 1. Having therefore these promises dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and of the Spirit perfecting holiness in the fear of God. That man in Psalms chapter number one, the Bible talks about his separation from the world in verse number one, and then his separation to the Word of God in verse number three, and then his success in this world uh, in verse number uh, three. God blessed him because he come out from this world, and then he came to the Word of God. That's twofold, uh, and that's what separation is. It is separation from, and it's separation to the right things. Uh, Psalms chapter one and verse one said, blessed is the man. Hey, if you want to live a blessed life, stay away from this world. Somebody say amen. Blessed is the man that walketh not the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, uh, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. If all you have is a list and you don't have a, a relationship, then my friend, you don't have anything. Amen. But thank God you 
got to separate. You got to come away from this world and you got to come to the word of God. And then the Bible said, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Amen. But he said, the ungodly are not so. They're like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous for the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous but the way of the ungodly shall perish. You live an ungodly life, you'll die an early death. Somebody say amen. Say, how do you know that? Proverbs 27 and verse 10, the Bible said the fear of the Lord prolongeth uh, days but the years of the wicked shall be shortened. And here in our text tonight, we know the story of Samson, so I won't take the time to go back and talk about Samson's life. You you know Samson's life. He had been blessed by God. He had godly parents. Uh, He had been given a great gift, the ability and strength that God had given him. No doubt God had great things for Samson. We know that Samson is a saved man because Samson is in the Hebrews Hall of Faith in Hebrews chapter 11. We know that Samson lived for God for some period of his time but his life is marked and scarred by bad choices and young people you listen to me tonight it's possible and Samson is a testimony that you can have good godly parents and be raised in a, in a good church and even go to a Christian school or be homeschooled or whatever or live for God in a public school and you can, you can have all of these benefits and all these uh, things can be in your life but you can still make a, one bad choice after another and ruin the life that God has given you just because you go to a good Bible preaching church and, and, and have a good Sunday school teacher and you've been surrounded by godly saints, uh, it, doesn't, uh, it doesn't take away the fact that you can, can mess your life up and it comes down to one thing, not listening to counsel. I've watched young people and I've watched moms and dads and you have too down through the years. If only they would have heeded the counsel. Samson, we find him in that same situation. Go with me to verse number 20 and notice here by way of introduction that there are four things in verse number 20 that we see here that led to this peril of worldliness. You say, what is that preacher? Well, number one, it's danger. Look what the Bible said in verse number 20. And she said, the Philistines be upon thee. Samson is in a very dangerous situation here. The Philistines have come upon him. The Philistines represent this world. Delilah represents the devil himself. Amen. Notice the position that that Samson finds himself in. In verse number 19, the Bible said that she made him sleep upon her knees. I want you to know tonight that Samson is in a dangerous situation because Samson chose to associate himself with the wrong crowd. Amen. Now listen, you can tell the route people are going by the crowd that they hang with. Amen. I'm telling you, listen, the crowd that you hang with is the direction that you're headed in. You take some young person when they get hooked up with some other young person that doesn't want to live for God and doesn't want to do right, you can rest assured they're not going to win that person. That person's going to win them. Amen. Now we're to give the gospel to everybody and you can be a friend to someone. That means you can be friendly. You can be kind. You can be courteous. You can can be a Christian. Amen. But you don't have to be friendly with them. That means you don't hang out with them. Amen. You don't go the places they go. You don't listen to the music they listen to. You don't listen, follow the fads that they're following. You don't hang out with the rest of the crowd. You see the problem with Samson was he thought that he could handle the danger. I don't tell you the danger is too big for all of us tonight. 
It didn't stop with Delilah because Delilah was connected to the Philistines. He said, well, I just got this one friend that doesn't do right. They have a connection with this world tonight. If you hang with that individual, I'll tell you what's going to happen. You're going to put yourself in danger. I know someone tonight that's in prison because they hung with the wrong crowd at the wrong place at the wrong time and they were guilty because of the sin. They didn't go there to commit that sin, but that crime, should I say, it's a sin, but it was a crime. They didn't go there to commit that crime, but they were with them and so they paid the price. You see, tonight you never know the road the devil's going to take you, take you down, but rest assured, all of the devil's roads are dangerous roads tonight. The danger, I see the drowsiness. Look at verse number 20 again. The Bible said that, and he awoke out of his sleep. You know, the problem with Samson's life is that he was asleep in Delilah's lap. You see, if the devil can't get you to sin, the devil just gets you to go to sleep. He'll get you to turn the preacher off. He'll get you to turn your parents off. He'll get you to turn the warning signs away. He'll get you to a place where you're there in body, but your mind's a million miles away. I tell you, I've seen people in church and, and know that they were in trouble and God put a message on, on my heart to preach uh, and I was praying, dear God, get a hold of their heart. But they sit there and they're looking at you, but you can tell their mind is going somewhere else. Don't you know that while I'm preaching right now, if the devil can distract you and get your mind on something or someone other than the message. That's exactly what he wants you to do. He wants to rock you to sleep where you're not aware of what's being said or done. Samson was so, he was so far gone that Delilah cut the locks of his hair off without him even knowing it. I'll tell you, I've seen people come to church. You know, I thought about this yesterday. I was looking at a text and, and I saw, you know, Jesus went to the synagogue, but so did the devil. And do you know God will go to church, but the devil goes to church too. And the devil don't come in here with a pitchfork and, a, and horns. And he don't come in here floating in here in a spirit. I think he comes in people sometimes. There are people, they come to church. They don't come to hear preaching. They don't come to, to sit in a, they come to, to disrupt. They come to sit there to cause problems. They come to, to pray. I've seen people come to church and, and try to pray on some, uh, somebody. I listen, try to get some. I've seen young people come and try to get, uh, listen, they wasn't interested in God. They wasn't interested in preaching. But for whatever reason, they came to church for one reason, and that's to see who they could pull in their direction. Amen. I've seen, listen, I've seen women come in and, and hunt some man down just looking around. Uh, hey, this is not a, a this ain't a sin. Singles Club. Somebody say amen. This ain't matchmaker.com. Somebody say amen right there. Uh, uh, this is, you say, well, well and I remember one time a man came here and standing in that building at the back door, he came up to me, he said, well, preacher, he said, I'm just going to be honest with you. He said, you got any single women here? I said, not a one. He said, you don't? I said, not for you. He said, you tell him that? I sure did. He said, what happened? He left. And I was glad. You say, you was glad he left church? Hey, listen, church is where you come to get help. Somebody say amen. Church is where you come to hear the word of God. Church is where you come to fellowship. And, and you, you, if you want the right things, that's what church is for. But friend, we're living in a different day. Amen. You say, you ever told anybody to leave church? Well, I hadn't wanted to, but I tell you, before I let them come in and ruin the whole bunch, you better believe. That's what a shepherd does. Amen. I, I listen, you watch out for the flock. And I know I'm the 
under shepherd and he's the chief shepherd. But I'm telling you, friend, we're living in that day. Amen. There's a man come here one Wednesday night. I'm telling you, listen, he looked up and down four or five women. And I'm telling you, you can see the demons in his eyes. And I, of course, didn't go by myself. But I took two or three men. I said, hey, sir, best thing you can do is just leave. Now, we're all for helping people. But we're living in a demonic society. And friend, you better hear me tonight, young person, mom, dad, whoever. I don't know who I'm preaching to. But you better hear me tonight. The devil's after you. And he ain't afraid to walk in these doors tonight. In fact, I think the devil goes to church more than probably some other people do. Tonight, you have to beware. You've got to be kind. You got, I think it's one of those friendliest churches in town. Amen. People visit this church all the time, talk about how kind people are. And uh, you know what? This is a church that's glad to see people coming. But tonight, we have to be on guard. Amen. And I see the drowsiness. Don't let the devil rock you to sleep tonight. Now, if you got mad at what I just said, it's because something's not right. Amen. I want to say not only the danger, the drowsiness, but then notice the dumbness. He said, I will go out as, uh, he said, I will go out as at other times before. You see, Samson's problem was he was overconfident. He put confidence in his flesh rather than in God. The Bible said, have, uh, have no confidence in the flesh. Tonight, the, the flesh, the songwriter said, the arm of the flesh will surely fail you. You dare not trust your own. I want to tell you, Samson's problem here is that he's dumb to the things of God. He's dumb to his surroundings. He, he thinks he's going to walk out there and shake the Philistines off. He, he never did wake up to the realization that it wasn't Samson defeating the Philistines. Uh, it was God working through Samson. Amen. You remember when Samson shredded that line? Amen. Uh, when he tore that line all to pieces. I really believe that was the mercy of God in Samson's life because Samson was in a place he should not have been in. He was in a vineyard and you know in that Nazarite vow Samson was not to touch wine. He was not to touch a dead carcass, amen, or anything that was dead. And Samson was in a place he probably shouldn't have been in and that's what the devil will do. He'll get you somewhere where you're not supposed to be at and like a roaring lion, he'll leap out upon you but the mercy of God came over Samson and allowed him to shred that line. But Samson never had any, he never had no value for the spiritual things of God. And so Samson passes by that line a little bit later and he sees that honey in the carcass of that line. And Samson is more interested in honey than holiness. And so he reaches down in and breaks that vow and gets that honey out. And I want to tell you something about sin, friend. It is sweet for the moment, uh, but it has a high price tag that comes with it. Amen. There's nothing wrong with honey. That's a good thing. Uh, but reaching in that carcass was a bad thing. And anytime you got to do a bad thing to get a good thing, I promise you it's always a wrong thing. Amen. And Samson, when he went home, he did not tell his parents what he did. Now listen to me tonight. If there's ever anything you can't tell your parents and you've got godly parents and you try to keep something from your parents, I promise you it's not right tonight. I believe even as a pastor that I would never tell a young person to keep something from their parents. There ought to be a stronger bond between uh, children and their parents. If their parents know God, there ought to be a bond there that should never be broken by anyone. 
Your loyalty is to God above parents. I understand that. But I'll tell you, God put those parents in your life. And I'll tell you, don't you get out in sin and break your parents' heart. If you have, you ought to go to them and apologize with bitter tears. You ought to tell them that you're sorry for the things you've done. And you say, God has forgiven me. That's wonderful, but true repentance doesn't stop with God. You want to make things right with someone else, uh, with anyone else that you can. And Samson is so asleep, he's dumb to the things that's going on around him. And then I see not only the dumbness, but I see the departure. Notice the Bible said here that he wished not that the Lord was departed from him. I want to ask you a question tonight. If you, you can see this many times when people get out in sin though they're still in church, they start drifting away from God, don't they? The things that they once enjoyed doing, they quit doing them or they, they don't want to do them anymore. You can watch someone when they get away from God, they, if they sing in the choir, Brother David, all of a sudden they, they want to quit singing in the choir, they want to start sitting out there. They don't want to sing in the choir no more. And the pastor ought to go by and say, hey, why are you not singing in the choir? And they say, well, you know, just I got, I got some throat problems. And I, people, I know people do have that from sometimes. But that's not their case. They're looking for a way out. A month goes by, two months goes by, they're still not singing in the choir. Next thing you know, they're not coming to Sunday school. And then the next thing you know, they're skipping Wednesday nights here and there. You know what's happening to them? They, they, the Lord, they've, they've separated. That fellowship has been broken. He's departed. I know that he lives on the inside if we're saved, but that relationship is not what it used to be. And so they're not, they're not coming to church and, and getting what they used to get used to. And they would come to church and enjoy the things of God. Couldn't wait to get in the choir. Couldn't wait to go to Sunday school. Couldn't wait to hear preaching. But when sin gets in our life, it breaks fellowship with God. The perils of worldliness. Notice the loss in Samson's life in life, verse number 21. I'll give you these thoughts and be through. First of all, notice the loss of power. The Bible says here, but the Philistines took him. You see, Samson could always take the Philistines out, but here the Philistines took Samson. You see, the world will test you and the world will eventually take you if you'll let it. You say, oh, but preacher, I've kindly flirted with the world a little bit and I've got out there in the world and, and I want you to know that I've overcome some of the things of the world. I, I flirted with the world just a little bit and the world's not, not took me down, but hang on, friend, the world plays that game for a long time. The world will let you get a little further out. As I said Sunday, seem like I'm fishing in the same hole I was fishing in Sunday, but the world lets you go further and a little bit further until eventually it gets you far enough out there that it can take you and you can't get your way back. That's what they did. Just because Samson overcame the, the Philistines once or twice, they never give up. The world never gives up tonight. Just like Brother Laddie was talking about a while ago. doesn't matter how old we are. doesn't matter how long we've served God. I face the same world that everybody else faces tonight. doesn't matter if you're a preacher. Always got to keep that guard up. Always got to keep that accountability in your life. Always got to be heading in the right direction. If not, this flesh will deter. I'm telling you, the world, this flesh craves the world. You say, Brother Gravely, does your flesh crave the world? You better believe it craves the world. This flesh is not saved tonight. This flesh doesn't love God. This flesh 
doesn't love the things of God. And if I give my flesh just an inch, you know what it'll do? It'll take a mile. It'll go hog wild. It can't handle the world tonight. I'm telling you, free and outside the grace of God, I wouldn't be in church even after I got saved. I'm telling you, thank God for preaching. Thank God for some men of God that'll preach on sin. I don't care it's not popular in this day and time. And there's a lot of people that don't like it. But I've been down life's road long enough. I don't know everything, but I know enough to know this. There's no telling where I'd be at tonight. There's no telling where my children would be at tonight. There's no telling what kind of shape my home would be in. Had it not been for some holy men of God that took that Bible and preached on sin and they didn't let up just because I saved and looked like I was doing right. Amen. Thank God for preaching. The loss of power. You want to lose the, the power of God in your life, then you flirt with the world. You'll lose that power. I know a preacher tonight that I used to listen to as a teenager and a young adult, a great man of God. Saw this man preach with power many, many times. And tonight, he lost the power of God because of this world. Not only a loss of power, but a loss of perception. Notice with me tonight very quickly that they put out his eyes. You know, it's what the world will do tonight. The world will blind you. Have you ever heard people make statements like this? Well, I just don't see anything wrong with that anymore. Have you ever heard people say that? Or they'll say, you know what, I used to see things that way, but I'm going to be honest with you, I don't see things that way no more. No, they don't. Because the more you let this world get a hold of you, it'll put your eyes out. You'll lose your spiritual eyesight. First Peter said that you'll come to a place where you're blind and you cannot see afar off and you can even get so far out in this world that you can forget that you was purged from your old sins. Even just today, I was talking to a dear preacher friend and hadn't, I hadn't talked to him in several months. And, and in that conversation, he, I could hear his voice quiver just a little bit. And I'm talking about uh, someone I went to Bible college with, someone that, that has preached in this pulpit, a good brother. and had, uh, He's a dear friend. And I said, he said, you didn't hear about my brother, did you? And I said, no. I said, what? His brother's a preacher. I said, no. He said, he went back on everything he ever believed. And he told me, he said, it wasn't bad. If that wasn't bad enough, he said he put a big old long post on, on social media as to why he had been wrong for 25 years. God has now given him liberty to go a different route. And his brother said to me, he said, you know, for him to say he was wrong for 25 years is to say that we're still wrong. I said, what are you going to do? He said, he said, I don't know what to do. He said, my heart is broken. Even when family goes a different route, we have to stay faithful. We can love them, we can pray for them, but we got to hold the same row. And I, my friend, I, I respect him for the fact that he said to me, he said, hey, you know, he said, I just can't go that way. I can't go that route. I said, no, stay faithful. Stay in the fight. Just, just to, you know, you know it's right and you stay with it. God will reward you. And God has already blessed him, blessed his home, blessed his family. I said, you went too far. Your children's just about grown. I said, there's no way. I said, if you used to turn and go back now, the damage it would do to them would be irreversible. I said, you just hold her tight. I said, God will see you through and be faithful. 
thought. And I'll tell you, when I hung that phone up, I said, dear God, I said, please uh, give him the grace, give him the strength, uh, help him. I, I want to tell you, we're living in a time when people are turning things off like flipping a switch. Uh, but I want to tell you tonight, I thank God. Uh, I felt the power. I've seen his presence. Uh, I don't know everything tonight. Uh, uh, but I'll tell you, this is a good way, Brother David. Uh, I tell you, I thank God uh, I'm in the right way tonight, don't you? Uh, I thank God for the old time way. Uh, it may wind up just being a handful of us, uh, uh, but I sure want to be in that number, don't you? Uh, I sure want to stick with the stuff. Uh, I want to finish right, amen. Uh, I may not be popular. Uh, I may not, uh, uh, listen, gather a whole lot of rewards, uh, but dear God, I just want to be faithful till the very end. Hallelujah. Don't you? I never pray. I pray, dear God, that not one member ever says, well, Brother Gravely used to preach that way. Brother Gravely, he used to hold it tight, but you know, I pray to God, that's never said. I'd rather go home to glory as a compromise tonight. The loss of perception. The devil gets you thinking and seeing things different. And then I say this, not only the peril of worldliness is, is not on the loss of perception, but it's the loss of praise. Look where they took him to, Gaza. They take Samson out of his homeland and they take him to Gaza. You know, sin will take you further than you want to go. Sin will take you so far down a road that you think about tonight, you're sitting in this church. This is not a perfect church, we know that. This church has problems because it has people. You know what the devil will do? He'll get you to looking at the people in this church. The people that you once looked at that was such a blessing, but the devil say, now, now look at this one right here. Look at their flaws. Or maybe they'll do something that maybe the devil will say, well, now they didn't treat you right right here. That's just people. Can I be honest tonight and have to raise my hand? I'll just go ahead and testify. I've not always treated everybody right. And you haven't neither. I'm not proud of that tonight, but that's the flesh. And for everyone that's ever treated me wrong, they never treated me any worse than what I ever treated Jesus. Amen. You see, tonight, the devil will give you a basket full of excuses as to why you could go somewhere else, as to why he just wants to get you out of that good place. He, he wants to get you out of that place. Uh, he'll tell you things like, well, you could go down here and it's not quite as tight and, and there's not no pressure. And look at everybody. They're all so happy and everything's so good uh, and, and everything's so much better over here. Uh, he'll work on you like that when your children start coming up and, and they start getting teenagers and they're in the battle of their life. Uh, hey, you hear me tonight? That's when the devil will slide up next to you mom and dad and say you know what listen this is just too much pressure in that church there why don't you go down here where there's not all that pressure if you keep them there you're going to lose them you take them down there and you will lose them keep them where it's right you say but what if I lose them you was going to lose them anyway you just as well stay where it's right so they got a place to come back to amen but you may not lose them that may be just nothing more than a lie of the devil amen to 
get you to pull up stakes uh, and go somewhere else. Uh, as far as I know, everybody's happy here. I'm just telling you what I've seen down through the years. Uh, I'm telling you, friend, if the devil uh, can get you to the place uh, where you'll stop praising God, if he can get you out of that good place, gets you down there somewhere else. You know, I like people, I like it when people say amen in church. I like the ones that don't say amen in church. I about said that wrong, didn't I? But I like it when people say amen because you can always tell when they're not right because they quit saying amen. I'll be off preaching somewhere and somebody will some out and I'll say, I got me an amen right here. And then if I hit something, they'll all, all of a sudden they stop. You have to pray for me because then I have a tendency to just gravitate right over here. <laughs> That's right. That's why I want all y'all to say amen so I know how you're living. Amen. But you know, that, that's what happens when people start getting out in the world. They lose their praise. They'll stop giving testimonies. They'll stop, they'll stop raising their hand. They'll stop, they'll stop praising God and all of a sudden they're not talking about the things of God in their life. They're talking about the things of the world. Now, listen, there's things out in this world that, that I enjoy going out and doing and recreation and things like that. I think in its place that God gives us life and we ought to enjoy life too, but it ought to never take us away from God. And here we see that Samson gets in a place that they take him down to Gaza. You can't praise God in Gaza. Listen, you say, well, you can always praise God and I understand that, that concept, but do you see where Samson's at? He's in a place that he cannot praise God. The world will take your joy and they'll rob you of your praise. And I want to say in closing, it's a loss of pleasure. Notice what the Bible said here. The Bible said they bound him with fetters of brass and he did grind in the prison house. Oh, think about that tonight. They bound him with fetters of brass. Brass is a type of judgment. And he, he did grind in the prison house. That was the, that was the task of a slave. And Samson, young people, he's, he's down in Gaza in a prison house being held by the Philistines with brass fetters on his hand. He's doing the work of a slave. Now, you think about this tonight. The world will tell you that if you could just get away from your parents, if you could just get away from that, that preacher, if you could just get away from that church, that you're going to be free. You're going to live a free life. You're going to be able to make choices that you never could make because your parents are always telling you this. Uh, your preacher's always telling telling you that. But if you could just break away from all that, oh, you can get out there and you can live free. Hey, mom and dad, the devil will tell you that same thing. That if you could just get away from that old-fashioned church and get out there, you can live a little bit more freer. Do you look at Samson in verse 21? Does Samson look like he's living free? Does he look like the world is treating him better than what God treated him? Does it look like things are going better in God's than what it was when he was living in Israel? I'm telling you, friend, listen, living for God and living in church is the best thing that ever happened to any of us. And I tell you, you ought to thank God tonight if you've got your right mind. You ought to thank God tonight if you're in the house of God. You ought to thank God tonight. This is the place of freedom. Hallelujah. This is freedom tonight. To be able to lay your head down at night and have a clear conscience. To be able to go throughout the day and not have to be looking over your shoulder. To live life and not have to be hide, hiding things from people. Hey, that's freedom tonight. 
Always worried that someone's going to find you out and find out what you're doing. Or, or I told one young person one time, I said, listen, I don't care what you do. If you go to the other side of the world, God's going to let me know about it and it's going to come up. Amen. That's right. You're not going to get by with sin. God's going to let the preacher know. God's going to let your parents know. God's going to let your spouse know. Hey, listen, the pleasures of this world is not worth the price tag that it has on it. Avoid that crowd that wants to pull you in this world. Live for God. I'm telling you, friend, real pleasure is coming to church and serving Jesus and knowing God will be better to you than what the devil and the world will ever be tonight. Let me close with this thought. When people live for God and it comes time, how many times have we seen young people that's lived for God and they come down that wedding aisle and they've done right and they get married. They're so happy on that wedding day, aren't they? Because they've lived for God. And God honors them and He blesses them. And they start their life together and they may be stone broke, but if they're serving Jesus, they're happy. Amen. When me and my wife got married, we didn't have anything. I remember the week before we got married, I bought an old refrigerator for 50 bucks. It half run. We didn't have no nice furniture, but we was in God's will. And we was happy. We had two cars and it was always a, it was always a mystery as to which car was going to crank. But we had two of them. So if one broke down halfway down the road, we could walk back, get our exercise, and get in the next one and go on down. I remember on, my honey, on our honeymoon when we got married, Brother Sammy, he said, now listen, he said, there's a tent meeting. We're having a tent meeting in, in Fairmount, Georgia. He said, I want you to come by and preach one night of that tent meeting. I said, Brother Alan, I'm going on my honeymoon. I can't come preaching. He said, oh, I preached on my, tent, or on my honeymoon. You can preach on yours. <laughs> Reluctantly. And with a lot of convincing, I said, it's Brother Allen. He said it was the will of God. We passing through, passing through, preached that night. He took up an offering. It was $53. We drove to South Georgia. On our way back home, we got, to, uh, we got just outside of Atlanta. And uh, you know what? That car broke down. We, we, we crippled that thing somehow on back to Chatsworth. Had uh, took, it was a water pump, went out, went down there to get it fixed. You know how much it cost? $53. <laughs> you know, I never told Brother Sammy because I didn't want to hear him say, I told you, boy, it was the will of God. <laughs> God takes care of you. But when you get out in this world, you're on your own tonight. You know, God doesn't have to do anything for our life to become a ruin. All He has to do is let, is just stand back and we get out from under that safety net. And I'm telling you, friend, the devil will reap havoc on us tonight.